A note about today's episode. Every mistake is a learning opportunity. And boy, did we learn a lot this episode. I may host this podcast, but I'm no audio engineer. Imagine my surprise when I went to edit the final and most of my audio was garbled. I screwed up a setting with the recording software. Oops. So this episode took an extra day to edit. And even then, I did the best I could. You'll notice some funkiness with certain sections. All I can say is that the content is amazing and well worth looking past some audio ticks. Now, on with the show. According to a 2018 survey reported by Anim Health, drinking in the workplace is an issue. The report highlights risky behavior, impacts on employee performance, and how there is a lack of knowledge of what to do about it. As members of the wine trade, it's often hard to maintain healthy habits while surrounded by so much abundance. Our culture can lead directly to overconsumption of alcohol, overindulgence of rich foods, and lack of sleep. These can all affect physical and mental health. In today's episode, we discuss maintaining wellness and balance in the beverage biz with the co-founder of A Balanced Glass, an online community focused on these subjects. Emma and I chat with an individual who has chosen and maintained a healthy lifestyle for three years, which led to an impressive transformation. And our tip of the week gives us pointers on healthy habits we can enact today. I'm Michael Wayne and it's time to hit the bottle. Welcome to Hit the Bottle Podcast, a practical guide to beverage marketing through the lens of strategy, technology, and leadership. From exploring the buyer journey to leveraging modern public relations, to how marketing automation is changing the way we engage with customers. Hit the Bottle goes above and beyond the ordinary to ask and answer the right questions. Each week we chat with industry experts, explore practical applications, and discuss the newest trends all to provide you with the insights and strategies you need to create successful marketing programs. It's time to hit the bottle. My guest this week is an experienced wine communication strategist, speaker, moderator, host, and writer. With a 25-year career in the wine business in both Australia and the U.S., she's seen and done it all. Currently a partner and VP of communications at Folio Fine Wine Partners, We could easily chat for hours about wine communication strategy, and we may do that at a later date. But the reason for having her on the show today is to talk about wellness in the beverage business. It's something that a lot of us struggle with, but rarely address openly. That's why I admire her so much for starting a balanced glass last year with co-founder Kathy Hoyha. It's a forum that offers insights, learnings, and tips to support the physical and mental health and wellness of wine professionals around the world. It's an honor and a pleasure to welcome Rebecca Hopkins to Hit the Bottle. Thanks, Mike. It's awesome to be here. I'm really excited. I'm super excited that you're here. I'm a little nervous. (laughs) We're we're all a little nervous. So before we begin, would you share with the listeners how they might contact you? Sure. So for a balanced glass, it's pretty simple. The website is uh, abalancedglass.com. The Instagram and Twitter handles are at a balanced glass. 
And my email is Rebecca at a balanced glass. So keeping it simple. And then we have a Facebook group. So not a page, it's a group and it's a closed membership and anyone in the wine business is well open and very welcome to come and join us. Great. Thanks for sharing. So what are your observations about wellness in the wine business? Why did you start this whole thing? Yeah, I I think uh, the first thing I will say is if we'd had this discussion two years ago, I think our discussion would be uh, quite different. Um, And maybe it's a case of, you know, you find what you're looking for, but wellness in the wine business is becoming a subject that is picking up I think on a lot of the changing social consciousness of what's going on around the, you know, kind of bigger macro moderation wellness conversation, particularly in the US. Um, Wellness, I think, as a culture for us, hasn't been something we've really talked about a lot because we, we work, live and breathe in a culinary food and wine space where you know, hospitality is very much at the core of what a lot of us do, or we are making and creating, you know, beverage for people to enjoy. And so, you know, wellness hasn't been really a discussion that's either encouraged for certain parts of the industry. So whether that's, you know, physical wellness of managing, you know, weight or eating habits. And it also, obviously, as it relates to alcohol, you know, we've spent a lot of energy probably avoiding the subject in the past more than we should have. Why do you think that is? You know, I think at some part it's cultural in that, you know, no one's going to play you a mini violin for your 15th, (laughs) you know, dish this week that you've eaten in a restaurant or that, you know, you've been in Tuscany tasting through pre-vintage releases. It's just not a conversation you can really have outside the industry that you will find sympathetic people to talk to. Mm -hmm. I think on the mental health side of it, which, you know, is a real toll that that comes as a result of the work that we do, really, because we're working with, you know, a neurotoxin, we're working with, at the end of it, a product that causes its own social issues, Mm -hmm. and has for, for, you know, since the dawn of time, really. And so, you know, I think that there has been part of it to say, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. You work in an incredible industry where you get to travel all over the world and eat and drink incredibly well. And also that maybe we have aspects that we probably really don't want to look at the shadow side of um, our industry as it relates to the impacts that we have on, um, you know, social behaviour, family dynamic, relationships and long-term health and vitality of us as a workforce. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Correct. Or if you do peek, maybe don't elaborate too much on what you see. Um, And I would say to that, you know, I think, to be honest, one of the biggest changes that's happened through the Me Too movement Mm -hmm. has really allowed a lot more of these conversations to start to happen because it has caused such a tidal wave of demand for behaviour change or cultural transparency that I think is an industry we haven't really ever had to look at. Um, Probably been a lot more prevalent in the spirits business um, because of the nature. The industries are very different across. It's it's, it's very male-dominated. Yeah, and it's also, you know, I had a great um, analogy given to me of, you know, if people in the spirits business are the motorcycle riding, you know, kind of hard-living 
the the wine industry folks are the science geeks and the beer industry folks are in you know in the dugout at the baseball diamond (laughs) you know we all behave quite differently even though maybe we're we're theoretically in the same space so how do we differ from other industries in that regard you know i think one of the things that we certainly struggle with if you compare us to say the entertainment business or the legal industry right where they're also working in high pressure environments but the difference with us is there is an there's an expectation that we understand and know our product and to know the product that we're selling is to taste it and and it is one of the few industries where there is a very direct correlation to um, you know tasting experience and knowledge and so that's one part of it, but the, the bigger part of it is the frequency and the intensity of that behavior. And so where, you know, we're looking at um, eating or drinking or, or you're a winemaker, right now we're in harvest. Right. We're a winemaker. We're not getting a lot of sleep. We're not getting sleep. We're walking vineyards. We're tasting grapes. Uh-huh. There's a ton of yeast and sugar. Yeah. So our digestive systems are a mess. Our skin is probably affected. Obviously, our sleep is affected. We're probably eating on the road while we're running between picks. We're coming back to the winery. If we're working night shift or long days, all of your your routine, really, that that many of us rely on to kind of stay well is completely thrown out. You know, add to that this week, power outages. Right. Your stress is through the roof. Right. And it's unexpected Um, and and that just compounds. So you can overlay that, you know, in a salesperson working in Midtown Manhattan where that pace is relentless, the competition is incredibly intense, the eyes of the world are on that market because it is a very sophisticated, high-performing sales market, and so your adrenaline is running and, and you're just navigating to stay you know, upright and, and kicking, then we go into holiday. Right. Oh, indeed. Yeah. We've got an increase in launches, parties, events, late nights, early mornings, and, you know, at some point there's not enough caffeine to... Compounded with that is that as marketing professionals, we tend to travel a lot. I mean, you were just in New York. 26 hours in New York. Yeah, so it's hard to maintain balance in that situation. You're eating food on the go, or you're being fed by somebody else. So you have no control over what you actually eat. You're expected to eat what is given to you and you're expected to drink and to taste all kinds of wines. And plus you're you're not getting enough sleep in, the, in those situations. So, you know, that's a lot of stress on the body. Yeah. So you've done some research. How does this affect employee productivity overall? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there was a great report put out by the CDC in twenty uh, Center for Disease Control in 2018, which I'll give you for the show notes, called The Costs of Drinking, the impacts of that. And I think the biggest impact is loss of productivity. We are a high-performing industry, but the, the very real impact, you know, the CDC is saying lost productivity costs $179 billion a year. Wow. So it's a very real bottom line um, number. You know, there's an impact on healthcare, both from the costs to keep people well and also whether that needs outpatient or treatment facility or, you know, recovery centre. That's a that's a cost to the business. 
um, there's an impact on, um, you know, potential for motor vehicle accidents. I mean, that's, that's, it's small. It's like they have it in there at 5% of the total cost, but it's, it's very real as a potential. And you as an employer have a responsibility to ensure the safety of your employees. Right. That's a continuing concern, but thankfully today it's less of a concern because we have a little more freedom of mobility with things such as Uber and Lyft, um, taxis that um, are able to get us to where we need to go without having us get behind a wheel. Correct. And the smart companies are working really hard with those rideshare companies to organize, um, you know, prepaid vouchers and or arrangements that makes it as easy as possible to put the responsibility back into the individual's hand which is also obviously about liability reduction um, because there is a very real cost to the business once you start to have impacts from, you know, DUIs mm-hmm. and, and, you know, more serious health concerns. So do you have any suggestions for beverage producers on how they might encourage a more balanced approach with their employees? Yeah, I think the, the two things, well, there's, there's three things. The two things that I really believe in will create long-term changes, um, behavior modeling. We have to have leaders in our industry that take this subject seriously and that really lead by example. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm lucky in my role with Folio that, you know, Michael Mondavi, our founder, is a very moderate drinker. Um, And so I see that as a way that I can live and work and be in this industry without the expectation that, um, you know, I will put my self-care aside for the sake of the business. So I think that, you know, it really puts the onus on the leadership of, of companies to look at company culture, to look at do they have policy around what is considered appropriate behavior I'm yet to find more than probably yeah. three or four. I would be, I would, I'm very surprised. Yeah. If, and if it's, there were any policies out and there. it's not that visibly available. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's something we can do really easily. You can do that in your company today. The other thing is to listen to your employees because, you know, it's not a subject that a lot of people feel comfortable talking about because it does start to get into discussions around mental health, physical health, dietary habits. I mean, these are very personal subjects that in our, you know, sometimes days of, you know, fabulous walking vineyards on sunset afternoons, people just don't want to go into those subjects, right? (laughs) Right. Um, But we need to, you know, we need to have people feeling a lot more comfortable that it is okay to say not feeling so great today, having a tough time with. And also, to me, removing the conversation out of the HR healthcare kind of arena, which is where it's sat. Yeah. Because it's been this way of, well, there's a medical resource mm-hmm. for you mm-hmm. that then all of a sudden the company has complete access to that information on you. So that causes, you know, I, I, it brings up, it certainly brings up reticence in me to say, I don't know that I want to start telling you all of my you know, my challenges I'm having because... Because of you. <laughs> because, right, right. And then, you know, how does that then affect my reputation and, and how I work within the company? Yeah. Um, and so I think people kind of have kept it pretty much to their chests. But, you know, it's changing and it's encouraging to see. I mean, you as a president of a marketing communications company, you know, you went out 
in a balanced glass and were very honest and open about your mental health challenges. It takes a lot of guts to do that. And it makes a balanced glass to me, the reason I love this platform is if I can hold that space for people to do that without any judgment and you have that opportunity then to help someone else, like we're on the right track. And and that's absolutely the reason why I did that. You know, my feeling is, is that, you know, it's not easy for me to, to express my health issues openly, but my feeling is that if it helps one person, uh, then it's worth it. If we can have an open and honest conversation, especially uh, amongst the leadership of our industry, then that can lead to progress in, in how we can overcome some of these challenges that we have. You know, and, and from a purely selfish reason, like looking at it in terms of a business owner, if you can actually help your employees to work through some mental and physical uh, challenges, then then it benefits your business through increased efficiencies. Absolutely. And loyalty, you know, job satisfaction, loyalty, yeah. and just higher performance and higher performing individual. Especially with the next generations coming online, because that's much more important to them. Yeah. And I would say too, that the Back to your point about um, the mental health discussions, the the non-judgment to me is a very big part of it. I think we like to deduct and deduce and make decisions and observations just naturally. That's what we do, you know, as a human human being. But to, to be able to hold that space and let people be where they're at, no matter what our perception of them is. And I think that's also something that's relatively unique to our industry. I think we see it in the entertainment business. Um, you know, we, we treat certain characters in our industry like rock stars. We, we make movies about them. We, we celebrate them on their specific deep technical knowledge of a subject. But we can also have those same people suffering as deeply, if not deeper, but they're just in this stage of not being able to either articulate it or not feeling like the resources are there. And, you know, that reverberates through a community really quickly. And I think part of the work Kat Kinsman has done on Chefs with Issues, which is a fantastic platform, and, you know, Kat really has has and does help, you know, people in the hospitality business really start to delve into mental health and she's very open about her own mental health challenges and if you haven't read high anxiety read it it's a great book it's incredibly honest but to start to normalize that conversation among really a brigade of professionals in hospitality that are in super high intensity environments 10 12 14 hours a day cooking their guts out feeding the people but often they're not feeding themselves david chang is another one you know he's shared his mental health uh, challenges through his podcast and other means, you know, through write, his writings. He's a great writer, by the way. But, you know, this is a man who's hugely successful. He has restaurants all over the, all over the country, all over the world. Um, and yet, you know, he still suffers from these mental health issues. You know, part of it has to probably do with his success, but part of it is just, you know, it's probably always been there. And I think that, you know, I had a, I was very lucky last two years ago to meet Andrew Zimmern in Aspen at Aspen oh, Food yeah. and Wine. And, um, you know, I was as starstruck as anyone would be to meet yeah. him. And I was introduced through a mutual friend who said, you need to meet him and tell him about what a balanced glass is. And at that point, 
I think of Alice Glass as a logo uh-huh. and like a freaking Squarespace site, yeah. right? Yeah. And I sat down with him and, and he said to me, you know, I'm, he's sober. He's 20, I think, two years sober. Yeah. And his story is, is really um, phenomenal. And I said to him, you know, but I don't really know that this work is that important compared to the work that, you know, you're doing as a leader in the industry by being as visible as you are and as honest and open. And he, he wrote down his cell phone and he said to me, call me anytime. Anything you're doing that helps this matters. And it's something that I, it really pushed me to go deeper into the subject um, because it's really easy to get disillusioned, right? It's easy to wake up on your 10th day on the road and be like, screw it. I'm just going to go and, you know, delve in on that lunch or I'm not going to take care of myself. Ice cream sounds pretty good right about now. Right? (laughs) Right? Yeah. And I'll take that croissant. So it it pushed me to be like, you know what? This stuff is important. It doesn't matter. Part of the beauty of this is it's not about what I'm doing. It's about how do we make a way for everybody to help each other. And I mean, we saw this at TechSum. You and I were at TechSum together and naturally the community connects. Yes. And doesn't really matter what about it's just that there's this human reconnection that we can do it's the benefit of having a community that you know is going through the same challenges you know often enough times especially with mental health issues we feel like we're all alone and it's really nice to be able to have other people talk to you that are going through something that's similar that's huge helping you move through your issues yeah, and, and also to that point, I think there is an expectation in our industry we're expected to know how to manage it because we work with it every day. But the other reality is sometimes we don't have baseline information that we need. As if you're a newcomer into the wine business or the alcohol business, does anyone sit you down and say, this is what alcohol does to your neurological systems. This is how it affects you physiolo- your physiology. No. Right? right, because every single person is is different. Our metabolic rates are different. You know, our body makeup is different. Our ages are different. Our ethnicities are different, and it's a very complex kind of subject to tackle. Is how do we provide people with enough information they feel informed to be a professional in our industry, to be successful, to connect with other people without maybe it just being about knowledge, right? And then how do we then empower them to go and be part of a bigger community? So that, I mean, that is a, a far more kind of complex subject. And I'd love to, right. to kind of hear what you, you think about that. I think that would take more time than we have on the podcast today. Uh, so we've covered some pretty heavy subjects today. Um, so I'm wondering if you have some tips for both uh, managers and employees of what they can do um, when it comes to some of these issues? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think the first thing is take stock of where you're at without judgment, right? Just get it out, write it down, put it somewhere that you can look at it and really look at it without any judgment. And that's probably the hardest thing to do, but then you can start to work out where you really want, need, or are looking for further information. Um, I would love people to join the community for a balanced glass. We're not the only community, of course, but finding people who get you, that you make you remind you you're not on your own and there isn't any shame around it, 
to me is part of the reason why we do this. Sleep is critical. Sleep, breath work, if you want to get into meditation, right, we can go down that whole bowl of wax. That's a whole different podcast. But finding a mindful practice that you can, whether that is walking the dog, I know I'm looking at Mike's wall and he has four of the most awesome sayings <laughs> in front of him. I have them too. I have a little post-it note on my um, above my laptop at home that says, Drew and um, James started Texom with full-time jobs. You can do this. Nice. But it's just my reminder to be like, don't delete the website. So, you know, sleep's critical. Finding a mindful practice is important. Now, whether that is walking your dog, getting to the beach, you know, making your pot of tea, find something that brings you joy. It doesn't need to, you don't need to completely change your life. Get outside. We we work in an industry where a lot of us can be outside. Take your shoes off. Feel the earth. It's one of my hippie things I love to do. Like put your feet on the ground and get back to the agricultural side of what we do. Um, And be honest, you know, be honest where you're at. And and the more honest you are, the richer your conversations will be. Um, And none of that costs money. None of that, you know, it takes courage for sure. So the list that Rebecca mentioned is up on my wall has four things. First is celebrate one win every single day. The second is do not settle, not even for the quick win. Uh, The third is visualize, meditate, do yoga or exercise, make yourself a priority. And the fourth is work on this program very first thing every day. So I wish I followed that as well as as I could, but um, it's up there as a reminder for me to be mindful of how I'm spending my time. So unfortunately, we are out of time. It's been lovely having you on the show, Rebecca. I hope that we can have you back on at a later date. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, thanks, Mike. And thank you seriously for all the support you give for the community. It means a ton. Thank Thank you. you. Stick around for the next segment. But first, let's hear from a sponsor. In 2017, she won the Born Digital Wine Award for Best Tourism Content with a focus on wine for her piece entitled Lodi Beyond the Zinfandel. She holds a doctoral degree in community college and foreign language education from George Mason University and has extensive experience in relationship and membership management, direct-to-consumer sales, writing, editing, and social media marketing. Her passions include travel, tourism, craft beverages, food, and fitness. She's the current model for Wine and Wellness Balance. Welcome to the show, Elizabeth Smith. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> She's the little John to my Robin Hood, the bacon to my eggs, VP of Client Services at Balzac Communications, my colleague, Emma Criswell. It's literally my favorite part of every podcast. <laughs> Mine too. So, hey, thanks for being on today. Um, so we're, we're, we're kind of covering a heavy subject, but something that um, I'm hoping that we can um, find some lightness in, and that is um, how do we maintain uh, balance, both physical and mental, um, in the wine business? 
it's uh it's a little hard for some of us to uh to deal with um it's just a lot of stresses involved a lot of temptations there so um elizabeth uh you've had an interesting journey over the last three years would you care to share with folks um, how that went and how you actually uh started on that path and where you are now Uh, In 2016, I had a number of things happen to me that made me realize I needed to do something about my health and wellness. So I joined a local gym, which was Fit Body Boot Camp here in Napa, California. And they also gave us a meal plan. And I embarked on a diet and exercise program that within a year, I had lost 90 pounds and 25% of my body fat. So that's basically how I got started with wellness. (laughs) Yeah, which is incredible to begin with, but you've kept that weight off mostly. And uh, I mean, I've lost weight um, at pretty big chunks in my life and and I've always gained it back. So um, what's your secret? My secret, I think, is that I feel much better, and that's a real motivator. I'm also healthier than I was before. I had actually started taking a low-grade blood pressure medicine before I started this, and I no longer need that. And what I do is I start my day at the gym. That's the first thing I do before I do anything else. And once I've done that, then I feel like I can get on with the rest of my day. So what time do you get to the gym in the morning? I go at five o'clock in the morning or 520 in the morning, depending on which gym I go to. I, I, uh, I was afraid you were going to say that. Oy, that is early. There are whole books about this 5 a.m. thing and how it's the, the best thing that you can do for your life and your mental health and physical well-being and all of that. So... Maybe we should take a page from your book now. That's right. Start setting your alarm. (laughs) (laughs) It's not easy. It's not easy, but I feel accomplished before 6 (laughs) a.m. That's, that's, that's amazing. Uh, You know, for me personally, I mean, you know, um, I, I suffer from depression. Um, I've had it for most of my life. Um, thankfully, you know, uh, some medication and, and some outdoor activity helps them keep me even keel, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard for me to get out of the bed in the morning and I, I, I'm a real slow starter. So, um, yeah, that would be a particular challenge for me. Well, I do think you have to find what works for you. So if there's a time of the day that you would feel better doing something like that, the physical activity does bring up your endorphins and, and does help your mood. That's, that's I think, been proven. So um, I, I always tell people when they look at me like five o'clock in the morning, I'm like, that's not for everyone. So find a time or an activity that works for you and make it fit into your schedule. Okay. Um, I will try to do that. <laughs> and I'm sure that almost at least half my listeners are like, um, yeah, uh, I'll try and do that. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, in, in, so what are, what are your, what have your observations been, both of you, what have your observations been in terms of, you know, challenges, you know, either, either stress or anxiety or, 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 you know, um, food challenges or drink challenges um, that, that people in our field have 
are facing or, or have faced? Oh, yeah, it's all the above for me. Um, <laughs> I mean, a huge part of my journey that has really helped me both mentally and physically was actually leaving New York. And um, for those of you who listen frequently, you know I lived in Manhattan for nine years, but um, about the last 18 months, I first thought, oh, I feel terrible because I have, um, you know, a roommate and I want to live alone. And then I got rid of the roommate and then I changed jobs. I thought that was the thing. And then I got rid of the boyfriend and that was the thing. And then I realized, oh, it's just New York. (laughs) And it's all of the, what the industry is in New York, that it's people don't really have time to stop for lunch and they don't have time to meet you for a coffee in the afternoon. They don't want to come over for dinner. They want to meet you for a drink at the end of the day and their day is so stressful. And if you're leaving at 5 p.m., you're taking a half day. And it's just that whole thing creates a huge toxicity. And for me, it was just everything kind of started breaking down. I had some really crazy gut issues for it's just now cleared up actually and i've been out of new york for just over a year at this point and it was you know it's the point where i couldn't eat anything and i wasn't healing i was testing for everything from you know thyroid to parasites and it was stress and just so much stress that i just couldn't get past it and it was i was meditating i was going to yoga and all of that and so just stepping back and reevaluating and just making choices that made me feel good rather than making other people feel good and making sure that I got to go out for that bottle of wine or what have you made a huge difference. I have had a similar experience these past three years with the stress, actually. Um, Some challenges that are stress-induced And actually the physical fitness does help with that. And when I first began this, this, uh, I guess, wellness transformation, I actually got some negative feedback around me um, from where I worked. And I even had someone tell me, I'm starting to worry about you because you're getting so much into this fitness thing. (laughs) And I thought, (laughs) I didn't realize getting healthy was a bad thing. But it's really challenging for me here in Napa, because there are so many wine and food events and industry Mm -hmm. events. And you feel like you should attend those events, whether you're a winery employee or you're a writer, like what I'm doing now. And once you get there, there's a lot of peer pressure to eat and drink. And I went to an event a few weeks ago and I felt a little bit guilty, but I was not drinking all the wine and I was pouring it out and I wasn't eating all the food, but I have to do that for me. So here I found a lot of pressure about, um, living the wine life and um, attending events and almost, I guess, performing a wine life, if you will. And I found some conflict between that and my my new, I guess, lifestyle choices. But I have learned over three years to, 
I guess in some ways just put myself first and not deny myself these opportunities, but learn to find that balance and make choices when I'm at events as to how much I eat and drink. So do you, before you, before you go into one of those events, do you actually like um, mentally prepare yourself? I do. I I mean, how do you, how do you prepare for that? Because for me, I have like no willpower at all. Like I'm like, Ooh, lobster cannolis. (laughs) Well, I, I, I mentioned this earlier, but I, I like to see the menu first so I can take a look and say, well, I think I can eat that or I'm not going to eat that. Um, I also, I, I just, I guess I feel better. Ultimately, if I eat something really unhealthy in a large quantity, I feel terrible the next day, just like if I were to drink too much, I would feel terrible the next day. And that's actually my motivator is that I don't want to feel terrible the next day. So combine that with looking at the menu options, if those are available, being okay with pouring out wine or not, or just tasting and not drinking. That's, that's how I deal with, um, some of the pressures of events. So Emma, are you more like me or more like Elizabeth? I think I fall in the middle. Um, Definitely. I think when I was in New York, I was more on your end, Mike, where people and a lot of my job was that I would have to take people out for glasses of champagne or whatever wine I'm representing at that point in time and people always want to eat something and it's kind of like well if you're a one-on-one type of situation you know how can I say I'm not going to eat that fried thing but now I'm starting to learn that I can say that and people generally don't get upset about it when I tell them kind of ahead of time like this is what's happening tonight or you know this I can we do something a little bit lighter and it is really just feeling better is a huge is a huge motivator. I agree with Elizabeth on that point. It really, when you're not doing it all the time, when you do have something that you know is a food that's going to make you sick, it makes you so much more sick than it used to because your body's kind of gotten used to not having that in your system. Yeah, and I think a lot of people don't realize unless you've made changes in your life, how much better you feel. I think people are used to feeling poorly and they don't realize they feel poorly until they feel a million times better. And then they say, oh, I don't, I don't ever want to go back to that feeling again. And that's really ultimately what motivates me. Yeah. And I think it's almost kind of a misery loves company type of thing to some extent. How so? Well, I'm just thinking people are used to feeling bad and they're, you know, used to drinking to ease the the stress and the pain and that's their chosen kind of numbing rather than going through something else, meditation, yoga, what have you, that they want to be able to do that with other people. And you feel bad not doing that with them and suggesting other things and That's been one of the really refreshing things about um, I'm living in uh, Columbus, Ohio now, and friends want to meet for coffee and walk on a trail for 30 minutes or something like that. And it's it's been great. It's just so nice to be able to change your mindset a little bit 
around it. And, you know, well, Mike, you and I are both Libras and we're people pleasers by nature of our sign. And it's hard to say no and put yourself first. Oh yeah. I succumb to peer pressure quite, quite often. You're like, come on. It's just, it's just, you know, it's just one little shot of bourbon. It'll be fine. (laughs) And then, you know, five, five later and you're like, oh crap. Um, so yeah, you know, um, along the lines of the coffee and walk, you know, um, my, uh, my wife actually has, uh, a nice habit of doing like meetings and check-ins with her staff, um, on walks. So they do walking check-ins. Oh, that's great. Um, which I think is, uh, pretty amazing. And, um, and that's something that I've, um, considered doing and probably should do, but you know. Um, I'm me. So, um, <laughs> Wait, we can always walk when we're on the phone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, one of the, you know, one of the, one of the, um, challenges that a lot of us have, especially me is, is time. Right. So, you know, we are, we are, we don't get enough sleep. You know, we work too many hours. Um, and then, and when we're out of work, you know, often at times we're still working because we're either, you know, like you say, like going out, um, with colleagues, um, for, for, for drinks and dinner, um, or, um, we're like, you know, hopping on our laptop, um, when we get home to do some more work. Um, and you know, we're not giving ourselves the, we're not making ourselves a, a priority. This is something that I've that I've been ter- me personally have been terrible at for so many years is is making myself um, a priority and um, because um, like you, like you say uh, I'm, I'm a people pleaser and I'm I, when it, and the people I want to please most is my family and my friends and um, the and, you know the people that I work with so um, I always kind of put them above my own needs and um, I know that's wrong um, but it's really hard to stop doing that and. Um, so therapy helps, but. <laughs> well, I can say the, the more you make yourself a priority, the better your relationships will be with other people because you will be happier and you will feel better. And because of all the things you mentioned about things getting in the way of making yourself a priority, that's the reason I make myself a priority at 5 a.m. <laughs> is because that's my time. I do have to get up earlier, but I have that hour that's just for me. And then I can be everyone else's priority <laughs> the rest of the day if I need to be. Yeah, that that is a good um, way to start your day. I try to. I have a cat who enjoys getting up early in the morning. And um, a lot of times I've just started getting up with him and making a cup of tea and sit back down and I read a book until 7 a.m. or just hang out with him and enjoy the stillness and the quiet. And that kind of sets my mind up for a different kind of way to look at things. It does. And I have a cat too. So he wakes me up for the gym. (laughs) (laughs) He does. Even on days I wasn't planning on going, I don't go every day. I did for a long time. And then I realized it's okay. You don't have to do this seven days a week. That's another (laughs) point. Yeah. It's the whole, when you start doing something good for yourself, you feel like you have to do it seven days a week. And if you don't, you beat yourself up for it. Like on the days I'll do a meditation and not go to yoga, I think, oh, I didn't go to yoga. You're a terrible human. 
you can't have a glass of wine later. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, okay. So, you know, uh, in terms of mental health, you know, what are some of the things that um, you all do to, to cope with the stress of working in this business? Yeah, that that's still a big work in progress. For me, anxiety is my dominant force. Sometimes I have so much anxiety that it does trigger a bout of depression. And then that I try to avoid that at all costs. So one thing I've started doing is actually feeling the feelings when they come up, when something feels, when it starts tightening my chest, when I'm ready to just totally freak out about something, I can kind of, at this point, just step back. Like uh, If I'm in an office, go to a bathroom, shut my eyes and take breaths and just kind of like feel what I'm feeling. Like, it's my chest tight. What hurts? What's going on? And just by letting that happen, it alleviates a lot of the stories that I'm making up in my head because I have a tendency to think my feelings rather than to feel them. And if I can pull the brain out of it, it can really reset things. So that's one thing I try to do when I'm in the moment of it. And, and I, well, go ahead. I was going to say, I do that as well. I think we've maybe been taught not to allow our feelings out, but I think it's healthier to let, to release those and acknowledge those and feel those. And I still assert too, that being healthier physically makes me healthier mentally. And I make different um, free time choices, not just the gym. So I try to sleep more. Now I try to get outside more. I try to do fun things on the weekend and let stuff go. Uh, I try to get together with other people, friends, not necessarily in an you know, a work or industry setting, I try to spend time with people I work out with. So I have almost like a whole other network of friends that are my fitness wellness friends that don't think I'm crazy. (laughs) And those are the kind of things I do. Well, that's a great, that's a great point is to find your tribe, right? I mean, you found your tribe and, um, you know, that, 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 you know, if you, if the people around you have unhealthy habits, you're more than likely going to have unhealthy habits as well. So um, if you're finding the tribe that actually has um, the same habits that you do, then it makes it a lot easier. Yeah. And even finding a, a group of people outside of the wine industry makes a difference too, because they just, they want different things. Like I'm in a book club now and none of them will ever drink more than one glass of wine or one cocktail. And it's kind of positive peer pressure in that way where I won't have the second one because they haven't. And they just really enjoy the one that they have. And they want to talk about that and ask me questions about that. And it's really fun. Hey guys, thanks a bunch for a great discussion. We're going to wrap it up here. Any closing thoughts that either of you have um, regarding uh, healthy living or wellness? I just want to say, make yourself a priority. Take care of you so you can take care of everyone else in your life. 
That's exactly what I was going to say. And really, people aren't going to be so upset with you if you don't have that second glass of wine or if you suggest something different to do with your friend. They are going to be happy just to have you there, generally. (laughs) (laughs) Great. All right. Thanks, guys. Uh, We will um, definitely have to do this again sometime because I think there's so much more to cover here. So, um, but for now, thanks for listening to HDB Podcast. Bye. Hi, everybody. This is Casey with this week's tip. Take care of yourself. I'm talking about wellness. Self-care. Wellness starts with sufficient sleep, exercise, and feeding your body with the right things. I've been on keto since May, and I feel fantastic at 40. Wellness is about self-care, listening to your body and soul and nurturing whatever needs attention. It's going to the gym to take a class or lift. It's seeing a Cairo to stay in alignment. It's getting a massage when you need it taking a hike or walk in nature, or soaking your body when it's spent. And it's saying no sometimes. Sometimes self-care is solitude, so you can hear yourself again. And meditation. I meditate each morning right after waking, before I get out of bed to hit the gym. I clear my mind and then push my body. Sometimes self-care and wellness is about celebrating Wine 30 with your friends and cheat days for eating french fries. But it's really about practice, making small changes that turn to healthy habits with big impact on how you feel, mind, body, and soul. So my tip is this. Take care of yourself. Push your body with exercise. Pay attention to what you eat. Sleep well. Say no when you need to and have as much fun as possible, whatever that looks like for you. Cheers. This has been Hit the Bottle, a production of Balzac Communications and Marketing. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. If you like this podcast, please rate and review the show. Thank you for joining us. Until next week.